Change is nature, the part that we can influence. And it starts... I the tiger. Decide. I the tiger, come on. Yes, science! Possess the right thinking. Then I can change. Only then can what we see. You can change. Gives the strength, knowledge, and peace. Peace. I'm your host, Ross Anderson, and this is the Motivational Dude Podcast. And on this show, we'll be exploring all the tools and tactics that you can apply to realize your potential. From mindfulness to meditation, psychology, physiology, biology, and much, much more. Let's get to it. The story of transformation. So I guess why I really do what I do to express that, I have to take you back to when I was was young. It all started for me when my mum and dad split up when I was four. And my dad was in and out of my life till I was 15. And then ultimately he rejected myself and my sister. And that, of course it pained me. I didn't really know why, how deeply it pained me. I didn't really know how to understand that emotional stress. And I didn't really know how heavily I wore that emotion every single day. I wore it like a monkey in my back. And unfortunately for me, that manifested in unruly, aggressive and chaotic behaviours, hard to handle behaviours at times. I always would blame my mother. She wasn't to blame. And nor was my father to some degree because I've made peace with that. But at that time, I didn't really know I was confused. A lot of insecurities because of that. And um, I didn't really know my place. I didn't know how to handle those emotions. So I was, I was very aggressive and uncertain of myself. And that was part of my story. Uh, my mother met another partner who I guess fulfilled that fatherly void for me for a number of years. They were together and, and we kind of had that nuclear family. There was my mum, my sister, um, this other gentleman and his son. And we had a family of five and it was beautiful. It was amazing. He would he would read books to me, he'd play the computer with me. He played the guitar, so he helped me with that. And he'd play songs for us. It, would just, it was just a generally fun loving, caring individual. And then unfortunately, when I was about 13, 14, he and my mother broke up and that's when shit hit the fan for me. It really started to go downhill and act up in school. I was on a behaviours card. I was on a doggers card, uh, which is just where you don't go to school. You pretend you're going to school. If for those who are not familiar with that terminology, maybe you're listening from outside of the UK. You don't go to school. I can't remember what you call it in the US or in Australia, but you just ditch school. You don't go. Pretend you're going to go and you don't go. I was also on a drugs card because I could caught selling drugs and taking drugs in school. So it was a little shit. And a lot of that shittiness extends from my past where I was. So I went through school and I had potential. I was good at sports. I was good at aspects of English. Um, I was really good at drama, but I did not like that one size fits all approach in school of how the educational system teaches you to learn and encode information and then regurgitate that, spit, it, spit that information out in a particular way. That's the paradigm. And I didn't fit into that paradigm. I was too high energy, I was very opinionated. I didn't learn that way by listening and regurgitating. And I think a lot of people resonate with that because the school system, in my opinion, is highly is highly flawed for that particular reason. So because I wasn't ever I was able wasn't able to give my energy and my opinion, I acted up. And because of that acting up, initially I was labelled 
and labelled. Labels are dangerous. They can be very, very powerful things in good ways and bad ways. And I was labelled the bad boy. I was the little guy who would be picked, put out of the class and then peering in, trying to gain attention. Trying to gain attention because the way that I felt validated in school and, and I guess throughout a lot of my former years was by making people laugh, was by acting silly. Now you're a lot of young people, in fact, adults still do that too. And that is because you're not able to express your truest energy, your authenticity, or you don't even know who you truly are as an individual. You don't know who your, your value, you just don't feel fulfilled. You regress and you become something you're really not. So those labels became a self-fulfilling prophecy and I left school with no education and my vision of who I thought I was was just this little kid for the back ass of nowhere who was only good for a number of things, selling drugs, taking drugs, acting the, the idiot, getting girls and kicking a football about. That was really it and that's the vision I held of myself, not very empowering. I left school and my drug dealing and drug taking intensified to the point where I took my first overdose, unintentional overdose at 19. That happened in Magaluf. I won't go into the details of that, I can keep that for a specific show, but took a lot of ecstasy, a lot of drugs, a lot of speed and cocaine and alcohol throughout the day and ended up in Magaluf General, rushed to Magaluf General and almost died. Took my second overdose at 19, eh, 22 and in between that period I developed a lot of physical and mental ailments. The physical, well that started off as eczema, skin rashes due to a bad unsavoury diet. I then developed uh, a lot of stomach issues which then transpired into IBS, inflammatory bowel syndrome, inflammation of the colon because you're consuming a lot of franken foods, alien foods, foods that aren't supposed to be in the body. But my mum wasn't to know that and she was doing her best at the time working three jobs to give us what she believed was right. Love, closing our back and food on the table. That IBS quickly became, it furthered, it become more damaging and limiting in my life. I developed brain fog, a lot of autoimmune type symptoms where the doctors, you know, were trying to diagnose me with, with everything and anything from fibromyalgia to erythromyalgia to Reynolds to rheumatoid arthritis, you name it, they were trying to diagnose me with that autoimmune condition. So I had all that going on, a lot of pain, joint pain, hands flaring up, one hand would be red, the other hand would be normal colour, I can pop some pictures up and the attachments that will be on my website with these podcasts, but I won't get into the depths of that now. So I had a lot of, a lot of physical issues going on, I had a lot of mental challenges, I was really stressed out because of the life I was living, I was leading a very toxic life, I had toxic relationships, I was selling drugs, I was taking drugs, I was drinking a lot of alcohol, eating a lot of bad foods, just not living a very healthful life or healthful habits. So stress quickly became overwhelmed, quickly became anxiety. I started feeling very anxious and unsure of what was going on in my body. My physiology was all over the place. And then when I was about 19, 19 and a half, I took my first anxiety attack, my first panic attack in the north of Scotland calendar. I was away on a trip with an ex-girlfriend of mine. We woke up the following morning and I didn't feel too good. I went into the toilet, collapsed. The woman from the bed and breakfast phoned an ambulance. I was rushed to Stirling General. It was embarrassing. I had no clothes on because I was in bed naked with my, my ex at the time. And I was rushed to Stirling General. When I got there, the doctor said, it's all in your head. You're taking a panic attack. It's all in your head. You've got nothing to worry about. Now, yes, it was all in my head. It wasn't very good bedside manner. 
by that doctor, but that was very confusing, very unnerving at the time. I didn't know what was going on. My girlfriend had to go and buy me some clothes. We made our way back to to Stirling, to Calendar, and uh, that was the start of a long journey of confusion and suffering for me with panic disorder. And for those who aren't familiar, panic disorder is a form of extreme anxiety where you live in fear of recurrent panic attacks. It was as though I was living in fear of having a heart attack. I felt as though I was having a heart attack every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And it got to the point where I couldn't even leave the house. The only place I felt safe was crying in my mother's arms or strapped up to an EEG heart monitor in the accident and emergency room at hospital. Very uncomfortable. Doctor diagnosed me with it. I was on medications for three years, anxiety, uh, medications, beta blockers, fluoxetine, propanol, you name it, I was on it. So I had all this stuff going on, took the second overdose, a lot of other challenges going on in my life, and then you'd think things couldn't get too much more worse. And uh, my lawyer turns and tells me, Ross, you're looking at two years for this. There's not much I can do. Two years in jail. Because throughout that process, I didn't mention that I had a very unhealthy record with the police from the age of 15 to 22. Caught for, you know, started off drinking in the street, caught with a little bit of hash, cannabis here or there, drunk and disorderly. Then it transpired into, uh, you know, really hurting some people. Um, people hurt me as well. And a number of more serious charges. I went away on holiday, come back, got in a big fight in a pub. Again, I can go into the details of that in another podcast because I will speak about the real and the raw and about the things that I've done wrong and why I've done that wrong so that you uh, listening uh, can avoid those sorts of things. But ultimately, because of that event, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I'd been given second chance after second chance and the lawyer told me, two years, there's nothing else we can do. So it takes a year for the court case to come to fruition. I have to decompartmentalize the fact that I'm going to go to jail for two years. And the lead up to that was not nice. I thought I was going to jail, I thought my life was over. Um, I was actually in college at that time and my college lecturers were, they were really fundamental in keeping me sane. They were like, you know, you're doing so well and you've got so much potential and you went from the bottom five percentile to top five percentile, you went from a non-believer to a fully, fully actualized achiever. Come on, Ross, believe in yourself. And uh, and they, they held me up, you know, and they, they propped me up and they kept me high enough that I, I stayed I stayed in college and I went to court and all my family came. Court started at nine. I wasn't taken to four in the evening. I was the last person called. It was a horrible, horrible day. The magistrate called me up, Ross Anderson, and I approached her and it was as though someone was controlling me with an Xbox or a PlayStation remote. My body was uncontrollable. It was all over the place. My legs were like jelly. I approached the magistrate and she's talking about all the events that were the straw that broke the camel's back. And I'm off in the distance thinking, how the fuck, the fuck did it get to this point for me? You know, was it because my dad left? Was it because of the drugs? Was it because my mum was a single parent? Was it because of the social economic status that I had with working class? Uh, was it because of the, the people that the environment that I was exposed to? Was it because I was bullied? Was it because I was a bully? Was it because of X, Y, Z? Continuous list of unfortunate things. And then I realized in that moment, it wasn't 
It wasn't because of any of the external things, really, it just wasn't. It was because I hadn't really been switched on. I hadn't been checking in and mindful with what was going on in my life. I did not take any personal responsibility with with who I was or the actions I took. And I didn't run my days, they ran me. And then her voice snapped me back into reality and she said three words that me, normal lawyer, family anticipated hearing. She said, fortunately this time. Now, those three words were music to my ears because I saw myself going to jail. I saw my life being, being over. Because when you go to jail, you become institutionalized. You need to create a persona. You need to survive. You need to do, you probably need to do things to, to survive in that environment. And that would have engulfed me and probably pushed me in a different um, uh, life journey and a different tra trajectory. But I didn't, they gave me three words, fortunately this time. And even though there was multiple consequences, tough, tough consequences that I had to face up to, denied access into America, I lost the job, I had to engage in community service over 300 hours, where you just have to engage with a lot, a lot of idiots and assholes. Not all of them, not all of them, but the majority. I was put in a list, which makes me sound like a paedophile, which I am not. But they put me on a list where I wasn't allowed to work with vulnerable adults, children. I had to fight that with the Citizens Advice Bureau for a long time. Anyway, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of really tough consequences, but I did not care. Because in that moment, I was given a second chance. In that moment, I was able to wake up to, I guess, choose a new path for my life. And it wasn't like, Everyone says, what was the turning point for you, Ross? That that was a big part of it, but it wasn't that one moment. You know, there was multiple events leading up to that moment that were like, you know, factors that, that were slowly but surely awakening a certain percentage of my mind. It was almost like there was a chap at the door and the chap at the door through every unfortunate circumstance and challenge was getting louder and louder and louder until ultimately I was sentenced to two years in jail and that was a fucking... That was as though someone who was booting in the door and I had no option but to answer. So it wasn't a big X Factor moment, but it was like an opportunity for me to choose a new path for my life, create a new set of belief systems, hold on to that and move forward. And I did, got accepted into five universities, which I applied to. I wanted to study more about the mind and body. Um, and at the time, the closest university with the best department for that was Glasgow University. It was the number two in the UK for psychology. So I set my sights on going there. I applied, I got accepted. I was overjoyed. I started studying psychology. I also took sideline courses in, in life coaching and uh, becoming a gym instructor and then a, a personal trainer and learning more about the human mind and body, the physiology and the psychology and slowly but surely regaining through learning about these things and embodying them and experimenting with them, regaining my own health and well-being and learning a lot. And then I, I specialised in sleep psychology, psychological disorders, positive psychology and uh, neuroscience and continued with that. And then I decided, look, I've got to a really, really good space in my life now. Yes, I want to continue moving beyond that comfortable point because I feel a lot of people are in a negative space like I was, negative five, negative three, they get back to baseline, but then they forget, they don't, 
they don't immerse themselves in the, the tools that they've been using any further and they become stagnant and they stagnate their growth. And I thought, I don't want to be that. I want to continue exploring the science and wisdom of well-being, all these different tools and tactics and see what can be. But also while I'm doing that, I want to help other people because when you learn something in life and it develops, it creates a positive result in your life, you just want to tell, you want to shout it from the rooftops, you want to tell other people and that's what I wanted to do. So I started doing that and lo and behold, in the last, yes, three and a half years since leaving university and becoming a psychologist, I have helped over 20,000 people through my speaking and training events and tens of thousands of more online. I guess they send me messages saying I motivate them. Um, that tool or tactic has helped really shift their, their mental state, their fitness, their health, their spirituality, their mentality, their, their emotionality, and it's helped them just become a better version of themselves. And that's what I'm all about. That's what this show is all about. I want to, I want to use my journey of transformation and the skills that I have learned along the way. And I've learned a lot of stuff. And this is what the podcast is going to be about. It's about taking elements of those things, aspects of those, systematizing it, practicalizing them into little experiments that you can apply, little systems that you can apply in your life to ultimately help you realize your potential and live a happier, healthier, more fulfilling life. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this serves you well. And if you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review over in iTunes. By doing so, you really do help me help others optimize. Peace out, much love, and we'll speak soon.